Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. I had this come up in my heart during the worship. Um, and it might be for somebody uh, here or watching online, but I just sensed it come up just inside me. You know, God cares about all your little issues. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but, uh, and, and all of us can kind of tend to be this way because of the fact that we live in this world which is fallen, right? We know the, the enemy is operating in this world, but God cares about things that you put up with that you shouldn't have to. <laughs> okay, so I'll put it like this. He cares about your achy toe, <laughs> so I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on who has achy toes, okay? I- I'm trying to pick something small, okay? He, what, what was emphasized to me during worship was um, he's saying, hey, believe me to deal with the little things in your life. Amen. In other words, extend your faith out to him about this, the most seemingly small stuff, Okay? And, and he, because what I sensed in my heart was he longs to show himself and his love to you. Now, sometimes people have a hard time believing that, but that's just because you don't understand uh, the level of love that he has uh, many times. We don't understand the level of love that he has for us. But I would just point you back to this. Jesus came from heaven to hear. And the scripture says in Romans that if he didn't withhold Jesus, he's not withholding anything. Okay? So he cares about your teeth. Amen. He cares about your ears. You know, he cares about, uh, you know, the pain in your sinuses. What, you say, what do you mean by that? You can ask him and he'll, he'll, he'll touch that for you. Amen? And so you need to believe for that. You need to expect that. Because God's a good time. I know many times in religion, and religion is, uh, I think, uh, sometimes worse than atheism. <laughs> that's just my own, okay? But, but uh, I, I'm not saying that saith the Lord on that. I'm just saying from what I've experienced at times, because religion gives you faith in God, but religion will twist the image of God. And so, the, 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 like, the, Basically, what, what religion will do is they'll, he'll, they'll, they'll paint this picture of God that he's working with the devil. God hates the devil. Like, literally. Do you, you, you think about this. When Jesus was raised from the dead, and the scripture talks about this, the reason why he was set as where he was as supremacy is concerning his rank in the body of Christ was because he loved justice and he hated what? Unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? It's everything demonic. It's the opposite of righteousness. So the reason you say he hated, uh, uh, or uh, Jesus hated unrighteousness, yeah, he hates the devil. I know that sounds contradictory to us because we think, oh no, Jesus loves everybody. And religion comes up with this junk, like the devil's going to be redeemed someday. No, he's not. He is burnt toast for eternity. 
He is charred toast. I mean, in punishment unimaginable. You can't imagine. He is good. That's what he deserves. And there is no redemption for fallen angels. There's only redemption for you and me. So my point in all that is saying this. If God cared enough to send Jesus, and the scripture actually says it this way, he did not withhold or spare even his own son, so how shall he not also with him freely and graciously give you all other things? In other words, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to give myself, so anything else you ask, you just know it's done. Praise the Lord, amen? amen. And that's how good he is to us. And, uh, and so I, I want to encourage you to think that way. Uh, uh, have, have the, let, allow the scriptures to shape your image of God. Don't allow tradition. Don't allow the world. Don't allow uh, your favorite theologian. Even though you can learn from your favorite theologian, make sure you take your fe favorite theologian back to the theologian, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus, I love what Bill Johnson says. It's just such a good statement. If you don't know who Bill Johnson is, it doesn't matter. He's a preacher. But he, he says this, Jesus is perfect theology. Okay? So if it doesn't line up with what Jesus showed, throw it out. Do you ever notice people go back to Job all the time? <clears throat> Have you ever read James? James tells you what the purpose of Job was. You should think about that. You know, they, they go back and they just, they just pick Job apart. Well, his, his, his uh, uh, friends that weren't very nice said this. And then his friends, and they go through all of this rigmarole trying to figure it out. And James says what Job was all about. If you just read it and keep it in that context, you'll be fine. Amen. Now, I'm going to share something with you, and this is a thought that actually Heidi shared with me, and I don't know where you got it, concerning Job's wife. Because people say, well, what about Job's kids? What did Job's wife tell Job to do concerning God? Right? So Job's wife opened the door to the devil to her kids. Hello. All right, all right. Well, you say, why do you say that? Because I want to take out the whole thing of, well, God's making handshake deals with the devil. He's not. The devil is a serial killer. Jesus is a serial raiser from the dead. <laughs> All right? He is good. And my character doesn't affect his. I'll let you just think about that. You can just take that thought with you for the rest of the week. It'll give you something to chew on. In other words, I don't change God. He changes. He is who he is no matter what I do. He's so good. For the Lord, he is good. And his mercy endures. And we all better thank God for that. <laughs> Amen? Praise God. Well, we're going to start a new series this morning called Forgiveness. Um, and I want to just share a few things here concerning forgiveness. So, forgiveness or lack of forgiveness is a major has a major is having a major impact in every person's life. We can even take that thought a step further and say it is having a major impact on those who have passed on to eternity as well. In this series, we're going to look at God's position on forgiveness concerning all of humanity and the evil 
that mankind lives in and commits. In addition, we're going to take a look at the importance of receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness. All right? So we're going to look at God's position on forgiveness. I want to read a quote to you from Charles Spurgeon and then one from uh, Ronald Reagan's daughter as well. And the first quote really centers around the, the uh, character of God. And then the second one center, centers around the idea of receiving and giving forgiveness. The first quote is by Charles Spurgeon, and it says this, I thought I could have leaped from heaven to, or from earth to heaven at one spring when I first saw my sins drowned in the Redeemer's blood. In other words, when you understand how God forgives, joy comes up on the inside of you. You get excited about your relationship with God, amen? Now, another quote concerning giving forgiveness is this, and this was Ronald Reagan's daughter, and this was written... Um, uh, in 1996, but it was by, his daughter's name was Patty Davis, and she said this, that her dad made a lasting impression on her the day after the assassination attempt of 1982. She says, the following day, my father said he knew his physical healing was directly dependent on his ability to forgive John Hinckley. By showing me that forgiveness is the key to everything, including physical health, she said, and healing, he gave me an example of Christ-like thinking. So you have two things there, right? You have the image of, the, the first quote gives us an image of how God forgives us. And then that second statement gives us an image of how we're to receive forgiveness. Why could Ronald Reagan forgive the guy that attempted to kill him? Because Ronald Reagan knows what it's like to kill somebody. Ooh, I'm going to let that sit right there. That was good because I know where I'm going. Some of you already do if you're, if you're listening by the Spirit right now. We all killed Jesus. And when you understand that we were a part of the crowd saying crucify him, and then you realize that he did that on my behalf, being sinless, and I received his forgiveness. All of a sudden, the person that tried to kill me, I can now supernaturally forgive. Do you see it? We have the ability to forgive anything. Anything that has been done against us. Now, I know it's not scripture, but if you go back to the quote, uh, uh, what, she, what Ronald Reagan's daughter realized was that his healing and his health and hers were dependent on what? Their forgiveness. Now, we're gonna, as we get into this, you're going to get free in some areas because you're going to go, you know what? That was horrible. I forgive him. I let it go. Come on, you, you uh, youngsters. We live in a generation now for many years where, we're, where it has become rampant in the psychology community and in the, uh, just in the world in general that we want to hold everybody else uh, up, up to snuff or hold them accountable for everything that's gone wrong in our lives. Come on, think about it. How many have ever heard of reparations? You know, you talk about this. They, what they're saying is, is that what people are demanding is, is that 
that people be paid back for the wrongs that were done years ago. Now, I wasn't there and neither were you, but you do realize this, to declare someone else guilty, you're declaring that you're perfect. Hello. This is why we need the gospel of Jesus Christ more than ever and a call to repentance. When you, when, if, if, if I stand up and I say, I demand that my parents apologize to me for everything wrong they did be, to me because they messed me up in so many ways. It's like me saying, but I've raised my kids perfectly. <laughs> How many would like to take that on? What you're saying is, I'm God. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like what Satan wanted to do. But when you understand the gospel, you understand, ooh, my best position is to receive and give forgiveness. Now, how many think it might take supernatural power to forgive that way? Right? Okay, so let's look at something. Go over to, um, I did this wrong last service, but I'll do it right this one. Matthew 24. The great thing about coming to the second service is I made all my mistakes in the first service. <laughs> it's interesting how it all comes out different. But you know what's so great about it? The Holy Spirit knows who's here. And he just, he has strings on me. And I just go, oh, 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 and do what he tells me to do. Amen? I enslave this body to his spirit. All right, Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at this. I want to I look at this uh, passage of scripture, and specifically we're going to look at verse 12, but I'm going to start in verse 4. And I, would, I just want to show that we're living in a lawless time, and I want to show you the results of what takes place when lawlessness abounds, okay? Verse 4 says this, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. So we're living in a time where there's a lot of deception going on. Verse five, for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will deceive many. That will continue to happen and it'll continue to happen and it'll continue to happen. Now today, a lot of times you don't hear about, I mean, there are times, I know growing up, there were different ones that claimed they, 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 that they were the Messiah. Remember Waco, Texas, you know, and there were those before then. But really this deception comes through false religions. In other words, other religions outside of Christianity are claiming that they're the way to heaven. Do you know what that is? That's a deception. They're claiming they're the Christ, but there's only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no person, no man, no, no humanity can come to the Father except through Jesus. All right, so if you could picture it as a door, Jesus is the only door you can go through to get into heaven. All other paths, all other doors lead to hell. Every one of them. False religion, it doesn't matter what it is, they all lead to hell, okay? And that's something that you gotta realize, you gotta settle that in you, but you also gotta realize there's deception going on in the earth, so don't fall for it. Verse six, it says you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Verse 7, 
For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Are we experiencing any of those things? Okay, so you need to realize this. <laughs> you know, I, I read it in the first service as pestilence, but it's pestilences. <laughs> you say, what does that mean? That's like diseases. They're, they're just, they're gonna be. Now we know, I mean, uh, that, that things, you know, here's the thing, you gotta understand this. In all the grand scheme of things, I will say it this way. Don't put your faith in man. Put your faith in Jesus. People say, oh, but the government promises us this and that. Listen, the government has seats of authority and the people that are in those seats, some of them are good and some of them are not. And even the ones that are good can make mistakes. Amen? So you say, what should we do? Well, we function within the earth, but Jesus is our supreme leader. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in everything. Everything. Somebody say everything. Yeah. You, you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in everything. Well, my doctor says I should do this. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in. And you know what the best thing you can do for your doctor is pray for your doctor. Pray that the Holy Spirit will speak. Well, they're an atheist. I don't care. God's in covenant with you. God will come down and go, hi, atheist doctor. This is what you need to do. Because that's my child, and I'm in covenant with them, and they have a right to access to the right thing. Amen. Okay? So just keep that in mind, that you, in everything, you go to the Lord. Verse 8. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. The word sorrows means birth pains. It's like a, a, a mother who's giving birth to a child. The contractions start. And then as they increase in strength and they shorten in length between the contractions, what happens? Baby coming. So sorrows, birth pangs, as these problems increase in strength and they shorten in time between them, what do we know? Jesus coming. I know you thought end times was difficult. It's not. It's really simple. Birth pangs. How many moms in here? Okay. Did you know when the baby was coming? I knew Heidi, especially with Kylie. Of course, you know, the first kid, you're like everything. You know, every little thing. You're like, uh, you know, by the third one, you're like, man, we're not there yet. <laughs> you know, we went to Lamaze for the first kid, right? We didn't even bother with the next two. Like, we got it. We're good, you know. <laughs> um, and so with Heidi, you know, with the first, we knew, you know, I think we went in early one time. Yep, and because we didn't know. But then when the contractions really hit, we knew. Because Heidi went, I think it's so, and sat down. Well, when that happens in the earth, that's a pretty good illustration, yeah. When those events make us do that, Jesus is on the way. You see that? All right. Also, you'll notice at the beginning, he said, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. <laughs> All right, so verse nine. Then they will deliver you up into uh, tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. We rejoiced over that in the last service. 
and then many will be offended. Oh, we live in, the, in, we live in a world of offense. I'm offended you didn't do this for me. I'm offended. I'm offended because I woke up. I'm offended. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, the, and, and those that are atheistic in their thinking, they don't know God yet. And in the medical field, the more they believe in the ridiculous notion of evolution, which is completely laughable, that something came from nothing. It is so laughable. It, it, I mean, I look at it and I go, wow, deception is amazing. It is amazing what people will swallow. You know, people get, they get upset. I've had people get upset with me. Will you believe in some God? You believe in nothing. Hello. You, you, you try, and it doesn't work to con, condescend in that to me. Because I, I, I'm not affected by your lack of brains. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, glory to God. I'm just like, you know, what happens when you die? I, have you, I don't know if you've seen that comedian online. But he, I don't even think he's saved. I mean, he's using a lot of colorful language in his act. Maybe he's saved, I don't know. He believes in God at some level. But he talks about the atheist versus God. Or the people that believe in nothing versus the people that believe in God. And he said, if you think about it, it's pretty funny. He said, you ask somebody who doesn't believe in God, what happens? And they say, nothing. And he said, so you go back into your creator. Which is nothing. Do you know the definition of something coming out of nothing is, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> right? What is that? That's deceptions in the earth. And we have all these things as uh, unbelievers, they have all these things coming again. Now, they don't even know what they're walking in. But you think about the earth and you think about everything as far as believers are concerned, we have these things coming against us daily. Because the world system is, is being operated by Satan. It's a system thing that he has set up. There's darkness in the earth. And what is he constantly projecting? What is he constantly driving out? It's these things. And he's doing it to deceive humanity because he doesn't want humanity to go back to their creator, God. He wants humanity to die and be in hell with him. Now, he's so delusional, he thinks he's going to win against God. You do realize that God didn't even lift a finger to get him out of heaven. You do realize that one angel will put him in the lake of fire. One, not even a lot, just one. Now how delusional does a created being have to be to think that they're gonna take out the creator when they know God is the creator? Pretty sad, isn't it? So I wanna encourage you with this. Don't think with, in the same lines with him. Think in the same lines with God. Amen? So you see all these things are going on. Verse 10 we talked about. Many will be offended. They're offended by everything. Um, and they will betray one another. Does that ever happen? And will hate one another. Does that ever happen? Constantly. And verse 11 says, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. 
You know you don't have to be deceived? If you read this verse and apply it, you won't be deceived. You say, who should I stay with? Just stay with Jesus. It's easier. Just stay with him. Well, there's these people prophesying this and prophesying that. I know. And there's good prophets and there are false prophets in the church. It's where they come out of. Did you know that? The Bible says it in 1 John. The, enemy's, the enemy is evil, but he's good at being evil, if I could say it that way. He's good at it. He's not stupid in the sense of what we might think. In other words, I'll say it this way. He's not haphazard. He's on a path. He's following a plan. And so what does he do? He actually causes deception to rise up within the church. Because people, do you know that most of the epistles, the letters written to the early church, were written because deception was rising up within the church? How many know that nothing has changed in all those years? Nothing has. So we need to watch out for that deception. Why? What does all this lead up to, Sean? What does all this have to do with forgiveness? It all leads up to verse 12, and it says this, and because of lawlessness, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will what? Grow cold. If my love has grown cold, guess what I'm not operating in? Forgiveness. If my love has grown cold, uh, I'm not receiving forgiveness like I should, and I'm not giving forgiveness like I should. Now, this phrase, <clears throat> growing cold in that passage, that word in the Greek, it actually means like a cool breeze. So within us, we have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is, uh, is given a lot of images, and the love of God is given a lot of images in Scripture. But what this, is, what this Scripture, what the Lord is implying to us is this, that if you allow the world around you to blow on the heart of the resurrection within you, it will cool down your love. You see that? If I allow too much stuff of the world, if I allow all these tribulations, all these things going on, if I watch the news all day and bite my fingernails to the core, if I allow what uh, the, the, uh, uh, the medical field is saying, if I allow what the government is saying, if I allow what all these different areas, my friends, family, all the fears, all the different things that are going on, the tragedies, the wars, the rumors of wars, if I allow offense into my life as a believer, it has this blowing effect, this cool, cold wind effect on my heart, and I can actually end up kind of diminishing in my expression of God and then also in my reception from God concerning his love for me. And then so for my love for others becomes what? Well, you know, I don't really love them. We used to be. In other words, it's a danger. And that's the warning. So let me ask you this. Faith works by love. So if the enemy can get my love cold, what else goes cold? My faith. How do I receive from the Lord? By faith. So I end up hindering my own ability to receive from God 
And then my own, and then that ability that's within me, then to release that to others. Well, you don't know how bad they treated me. As bad, well, I should say it this way, not as bad as we treated Jesus. You see it? When our love grows cold, we turn into, we actually, we do it by default. We don't mean to do it, I don't think. I think many times it is legitimate deception. I think probably the most of the time it's legitimate deception. We actually end up playing God. Or I should say trying to sit in his seat. We can actually end up trying to side with the damnation of somebody when God is going, I want you to be redemptive in this situation. Watch this, as I've been redemptive with. Now that is forgiveness. Now, like we said before, this is going to take supernatural power. So let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter number three. You guys doing all right? All right. You thinking? You thinking? You're, I'm a forgiver. Are you a forgiver? I'm a forgiver, man. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to turn into a religious legalist. I think Jesus had more trouble with religion than anything else when he was on the earth. In fact, they were the ones that motivated the murder, his crucifixion. And it's a real revelation of how we can get if we're not in fellowship like we should be with the Lord. We can get very hard. We can get very critical. And we can actually give up our faith in the redemption of other people, which then we don't, I don't think we mean to do it. I know it's a deception, but it actually ends up doing what, the thing that we don't want it to do. When I'm trying to grow spiritually, but I'm holding something in unforgiveness to Josh, I actually stop my spiritual growth. Do you see it? So I can't attach myself, anchor myself in unforgiveness to Josh and then able to move forward in my faith. I can't do it. It's impossible. Because in order for me to grow, the Lord has to be in charge of my life, which means I have to forgive you the way that he has forgiven me. Okay, let's look at it. Colossians chapter three, verse number 12 says this. Therefore... As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Why do you got to put it on? Because you're not going to naturally do that. You got to put on tender mercies. Watch this. Put on what? Kindness. Put on humility. Put on meekness. Put on long-suffering. Have you ever separated that word out? Long-suffering. It's two words. What are the two words? And. <laughs> People are like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that one. I don't receive that. Sorry, it's in the Bible. You can't do anything about it. What is, it, what is, the, in, what is the implication of that word? I'm going to suffer for a long time. That's why all the previous words are important. That's why you got to put on meekness, humility, kindness, and tender mercies. All right, verse 13. That was just a freebie. Bearing with one another and 
What? Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as, how am I to forgive? Even as what? Christ forgave so you also should probably do. Please do it. I recommend that you do it. What? Must do. Now, two phrases in here that are going to cover, kind of bookend or cover this series. The first phrase is, even as Christ forgave us. That's the first one. The second phrase is forgiving one another. So how are we to forgive even as Christ, what? Forgave us. Then I'm to forgive others the way that he forgave me. So what are the two things I'm seeing here? One, I need to understand how Christ has forgiven me. And we're gonna look at this. We're gonna look at what God will forgive. And do you know what the answer is? Do you know what the answer is? Everything. He will forgive anybody who will receive it. Now, uh, and I mentioned this in the first service, so I'll mention it again. But people think, well, what about the unpardonable sin? The unpardonable sin is the one you won't receive forgiveness for. So if I say, okay, I'm going to be saved, but I'm not going to receive Christ. What am I not able to receive? Pardoning. It's unforgivable. That's unforgivable. But if I will go to the Lord and say, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. You're perfect righteousness and I'm not. I see that you gave Jesus to pay the penalty for my sin. And I receive that penalty that you paid for me. And I receive that forgiveness. Now, what am I? I am pardoned. That's what salvation is. That's the epitome of what salvation, if, if you were gonna give a description to it, it's simply that. Jesus took my punishment and I received his obedience and the reward thereof. So Jesus took on himself all my disobedience and the punishment of it, it landed on Jesus. And he paid the price for that sin in my life. And by grace being extended to me, he said, look, if you'll put your trust in me, the act that I did on the cross in my death, burial, and resurrection will take the punishment of your sin. And then out of that, you will receive the blessing of my obedience. So now because of what God did through Jesus Christ and because Jesus Christ obedience to me or to the Lord in that, it gives me the standing before the father that Jesus has. Boy, I said a lot right there. It's a good thing this is all recorded. So you can go back and watch it again. I said a ton right there. It would take the whole Bible to explain what I just said in that, in that short amount of time. In other words, what? I now stand before God in Jesus' righteousness. Whew. How much sin does Jesus have in him? If you've received him... Yay. And people say, well then, but what about sin? Listen, the sin that you're dealing with is in the head and in the body. 
It's not in your spirit. It's not in you. If you were to die right now, but don't, because it will mess up the service, so just don't do that. If you, if you were to die right now, you would go right into the presence of God. You would not have to pass, go, and collect $200 first. You just go in. And you can go right in and, and into heaven. Why? Because you've been washed by the blood of Jesus. You've been sanctified, set apart. The power of the blood has cleansed you completely. You are not a slave to your past. You are not a slave to past sins. You are not a slave to unrighteousness. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. His nature lives in you. You are his child. You are clean. You are pure. You are righteous. You are holy if you're born again. Hey, and I'm born again. I'm in. Boy, preacher, you seem pretty convinced. I'm not convinced. I know in whom I have believed. I know the moment I leave this planet when I'm really old and wrinkly and got way more gray hairs than I do right now, and I'm done preaching from wherever I'm supposed to go, all of it. I'm going to go, I'm going to leave my body, which the Bible calls a tent. I'm going to throw it on the ground and go, didn't need that anyway. And my angel's going to be standing there, and he go, you want to go by the Milky Way on the way up? I said, yep, let's go. And I'm out. And I'm going to go see all my grandparents and my dad and my sibling, one sibling. Unless the other ones beat me there, then siblings. But I have one there right now. And I'm going to go be with them forever. And if you beat me there, I'll see you there. And we can hang out. Yep. I mean, I'm making a beeline for some places in heaven. So if you want to hang with me, that's fine. But I'm going to certain places. There's some people I want to talk to. <laughs> Abraham, tell me what it was like to take Isaac. Moses, so what does congealed mean? What do you mean it congealed? Tell me what happened at the Red Sea. Let's watch the video. There's probably something better than video. I don't know. You know, I don't know how that works yet. My guardian angels will be there. They'll be wore out. They'll be like, man, we're glad you're here. <laughs> Why? Because I receive forgiveness. Every day I receive it. I have it every day. It's available to me. The blood of Jesus is sitting on the mercy seat going, he's righteous. He's clean. He's righteous. And God the Father's going, they're clean. They're righteous. And he's saying, he says this in the word, ask what you will and I will do it for you. Whew. Come on, you. Come on, some of you. I'm looking at you. You've been in church a while. You, you quit asking. Why? You can ask, ask. He's giving you the ability to ask, ask. He loves you. You are, you, when you pray because you're in Christ, it's like the Father hears Jesus. Ooh, that offends some religious spirits. I could feel it. I could feel it just go wham. <laughs> it doesn't matter, it's the truth. If I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not the one that set up the covenant. 
All I did was believe. And that's all you have to do is believe. Did you know that the thoughts and the, what you sense within you right now, that anointing of the Holy Spirit and God, that closeness you sense, you can have that everywhere you go if you'll develop. You don't need to just come to, I mean, you need to come to church because that's part of the deal, but, but you don't need to come here to get, quote unquote, that we call it feeling, but that knowing, I would say. If you'll keep developing, you can just wake up in the morning and go, hey, Jesus. And God will go, hey. And you can have that conversation with him all day long. You can become so in tuned inside to the Lord that you just know he's with you. How many of you like that idea? Man, I just love that idea. I love, I experience it more today than I ever have in my life and I'm not even near done yet. I want to be so in tune with the Lord that, um, and I'm thankful that we have a redeemer because I know I can't do this just in myself, but I want, I want to say with the Lord, you know, you, you read that scripture about Jesus said he only said and he only did what the father said and did. Ooh. Can you imagine every conversation with your spouse is that? Whoa. I know we, people don't even believe it. They go, mm. you know, you say something like it. But you have ability within you to never have a disagreement. Now, some of you are going, that would be a miracle. That's the point. Are you listening? <laughs> That's the point, Joy, come on. That's the point. The point is we have forgiveness extended to us. And when you understand forgiveness from the Father and you experience forgiveness from the Father and you know it within you, which is where you need to know it first. You need to know it for you first. Then you can turn around and go, I give it to you. Well, I mistreated you. They did this to me. They did that to me. We're going to get into it. But I'll just tell you this, the Lord, actually I'll end on this one and then I'll give an altar call. Go to Psalms 86. I never get as far as I wanna get. But did you receive anything? Amen, yes, that's what matters. My notes don't matter, my opinion doesn't matter. I just want you to get what God wanted you to have. That's how I approach this. Go to Psalms 86, I wanna show you something about God. And I'm gonna go through, I'm actually gonna end up listing sins. It's gonna be great. You say, why? Because I want you to see how God forgives. Guys, God forgave uh, his children, the, is, the Israelites, when they were, he called for them to repent and offered them forgiveness when they were burning their babies alive. They were worshiping Baal. They were burning them alive. And God's in heaven. He, I mean, there are times where he's had to judge situations and it was because of his mercy. Do you know why the flood happened? Because of God's love and mercy. You say, how could that be? Imagine 
if nobody ever sought God again? Where would the, you think it's bad now? I mean, I believe in that time that the animals were demon possessed. And that's not even a joke, I'm serious. People say, oh, that's not possible. Really, where did Jesus throw demons? Into pigs. It was deviled ham. Okay, it's one of my favorite jokes. I haven't used it in a while. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one, yeah. Okay, Psalms 86, verse five. For you, Lord, are good and ready to what does that mean that means God is sitting on ready to forgive oh I can feel faith rise whenever you look at this ready to forgive what is he he's stingy in mercy what does it say abundant in mercy to all those who call upon he's abundant in mercy what does that mean that means that God is uh, uh, super rich in mercy uh, I'm trying to think of an illustration that would help you get the picture of what he's talking about it'd be like Elon Musk wealth in mercy how many think he has a little bit of money and God is better than that in mercy. He's like, hey, call on me. I have this way too much storage, stored up account of mercy and forgiveness for you. If you'll just tap it, I'll just dump it out on you. <laughs> Come on, this is awesome. It gives me joy. I love to look at how much God loves me. It makes my faith go up. I realize there's so much more available. And then in the midst of it, it's humbling because you go, oh, you've forgiven me of so much. And then you go, oh, I'm gonna forgive. I'm not gonna hold anything against anybody. I, I know, yeah, it was rough. It hurt my feelings. Uh, it was offensive. It, yeah, those things happened. But you know what? I let it go. I let it go. Lord, I've done way more to you than anybody's ever done to me. So I just forgive them. I let it go. And you know what you'll find happen? You're eating uh, uh, the things that you're allergic to in food won't be, they won't bother you anymore. Come on, medically, they've proven that forgiveness is healing. Isn't that good? Amplified, for you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive. Our trespasses, sending them away, letting them go completely and forever. And you are abundant in mercy and loving kindness to all those who call upon you. Wow, he's abundant in mercy and loving kindness. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.